Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Joining the show now is Ben Jerry from Eskimo and Ion. Ben, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Chris. We wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about what you should do when you're putting your auger away for the year. And let's start, you guys are world famous for the Ion auger. Let's start with the electric augers. What do you need to do as far as storing them and kind of putting those away for the year so they're ready to go for you and everything's going to work the way you want it to work come uh, fall and winter coming up? Sure. Uh, let's start with the battery portion of it. Um, the with lithium-ion batteries, you actually want to store them in somewhat of a, a medium capacity. So you don't want them fully charged, but you don't want them fully discharged. So um, ideally, after that first time or that last time you've used it for the for the year, um, if you know on an ion, for example, there's there's three indicator lights in the battery, and if you if you push the indicator button and two of the lights are lit up that is the that is the prime spot to store that battery then you're somewhere between that 40 to 80 percent capacity um and and that is really where you'll get the 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 longevity of a battery it's not going to completely hurt it to to fully charge it um either but you're going to just you're going to lose a little bit of um of your your top capacity if you if you continually store it for long periods of time at a full charge in season absolutely fine to store and fully charge, but you know, if you're going to go five, six, seven, eight months, uh, without charging it, it, try to hit that, that 50 to 80%. Um, so that's the battery. As far as the rest of the unit goes, I would definitely recommend just doing a general cleaning. Uh, you know, especially if you, if you've, uh, transported it on an open trailer or in the back of, you know, your, your truck bed or anything like that, um, somewhere where it could have gotten some of the salt spray and some of that stuff on there. Um, you know, I, I've kind of caught myself uh, with some other equipment not wiping it down properly in, in the off season, and, you know, to come back and, and, and uh, there's corrosion, um, you know, that I didn't even think about um, until it was too late. So uh, it's definitely important to kind of wipe everything down. And then the output shaft of the auger, as well as the input portion of the auger bit, you should try to put some sort of lubricant, you know, WD-40 or some sort of oil on there to kind of protect that area from any corrosion in the off season. Um, as well as uh, the blades are stainless steel, but even stainless, if it gets that salt spray on there, uh, that's just really corrosive. So even even the blades in the bottom portions of the auger should really have some sort of a protectant on there. If uh, it, it's not going to be detrimental, if you don't, uh, you just you know you might get some kind of un- unsightly corrosion on on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the auger if you don't if you don't follow that. Other than that, that's really all you have to do. Uh, they're, they're pretty simple, I and mean, that's the that's the beauty of the electric augers is you don't have to do a whole heck of a lot to them. Um, to, you know, to, to take them back out and top your battery off before you go out the next time and, and you're ready to go. Where's the best place to store them? Uh, in, a, in a cool, dry place. You know, it's, it's uh, really that they say like 60 degrees Fahrenheit is about the ideal temperature and somewhere where it's just really not, uh, you know, high uh, humidity. So um, I, I, I always store them inside, you know, I kind of, I kind of have, uh, you know, my, my mud room downstairs and, and I kind of keep it up in a, in a cabinet in there. Um, you know, uh, just recommend not storing it, you know, out in the garage where, you know, you could see some pretty high temperatures. Again, it's most likely not going to do any damage to it. It's just really not the recommended storage. So try to keep it kind of indoors, keep it safe, keep it clean. Um, and that's really all you have to do. How about gas augers? Eskimo makes a great gas auger. What should you do at the end of the year with your gas auger to make sure that 
come uh, October, November, we can pull that recoil cord a couple times and it fires right up. Sure. Uh, so first thing I recommend everybody do is to run a no ethanol gas if at all possible. It's not if you're running your your gas auger a lot during the season, it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be bad for it to run you know uh, the standard 87 octane 10 percent ethanol gas. But um, where that really comes into play is if you're not using your auger very often and it's sitting it's sitting for periods of time, especially in the off season, um, you'll want that last tank of gas to be a no ethanol uh, type of gas and or a pre-mix type of gas uh, like the true fuels of the world um, those already come with fuel stabilizers in them but with, if you're not using that and you're using a, a standard gas uh, what you're going to want to do is use a, a fuel stabilizer of some sort i prefer seafoam because it has some cleaning properties to it also so on my last tank of gas or what i believe will be my last tank of gas of the season i'll dump some seafoam in there and i will run the odd and try to end somewhere around that a quarter to a half of a tank. Don't run it completely empty and, and don't leave it completely full. Um, you don't want your lines to be dried completely out. You want to leave some fuel in you know, the carburetor in the bottom of the tank. The reason I say, you know, get it down to that half a tank or lower is so that at the beginning of the next year, then you can kind of top it off and mix in a fresh batch of gas with it. Then you just don't have to worry about the gas aging. Um, if you're using no ethanol gas and you're, and you're using something like seafoam, it's probably not going to be an issue anyways, but it's always, it's always good to, you know, uh, fill up the remainder of the take and mix in some fresh stuff at the beginning of the next season. Awesome. Um, other than that, it's, it's kind of a lot of the same, you know, again, the output shafts are, you're definitely going to want to, you know, put some sort of a protectant on there. Uh, you're going to do the same thing to the, to the auger. Um, again, with the, the blades, it's a perfect time to, I actually prefer changing my blades at the end of the season, because then I don't even have to worry about it at the beginning of the next season. It's as simple as, you know, dumping fresh gas in there and, and you know, firing it up and heading out to the lake. And I'm not, you know, oh man, I forgot that these are, you know, dulling up because I've been using them for the last two years. So uh, it's a prime opportunity to, to, to kind of do all that stuff. Uh, so you don't even have to think about it going into the next season. Perfect. Ben, is there anything I didn't ask you about putting away augers for the year that's important? Yeah, absolutely. I do want to touch on propane. Um, the the thing with propane uh, being that they're four cycle motors, uh, it's a little bit different um, in the storage. Is for those, it's it's pretty simple. You don't really really have to do anything special, but you do have to. You want to make sure you remove the uh, the propane tank, and then when you storm, you're going to want to make sure you storm with the piston facing up. And what I mean by that is you're going to want the spark plug um, of the auger facing in an upward direction and the reason you need to do that with a four cycle of motors, because if you if you tilt them the other way and have the spark plug or the top of the cylinder facing down for long periods of time, you can have the oil, um, it can actually get past the piston rings and can get on the top of your cylinder, which will uh, create a condition called hydrolock. And basically when you're, when you're gonna go to start the motor the next time, it's gonna feel like the motor's completely froze up. It, it, it's not, it just has oil on top of the, in the combustion chamber and it can't compress. So if that does happen, if you forget about it and you actually do end up storing it like that, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, what you'll want to do is you'll want to remove the spark plug, pull it over a few times, you know, be careful. It's probably going to spit some oil out of that area. You know, once it stops kind of, uh, you know, spitting a little bit of oil out at the top, you know, clean your spark plug off, put it back in, you know, check your oil level to make sure it, it's typically not much that gets passed. So it, it probably won't affect your oil level too much. Um, and then, then you should be good to go. So that's just more of a, you know, more of a note to not uh, to save yourself some frustration at the beginning of the next year. That's great stuff, Ben. Really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to find out more about Eskimo, where's the best place for them to do that? 
Uh, you're going to want to go to GetEskimo.com or IonIceAugers.com. Joining us now is John Marshall from Marshall & Hansen, a sales and marketing agency representing Eskimo, Ion Augers, Markham Electronics, and many more brands across the ice fishing landscape. John, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. John, a lot of anglers are putting away their ice fishing electronics for the summer. What's the best way for them to store them long term so they're going to get the most use out of those electronics when things get fired up again uh, coming up this winter? Now, if they're a diehard guy like me or like you, the, the hope is you never have to put them away, but it seems like we reach this time every year, the kind of the saddest portion of the the season, right? Indeed, we are here. Yeah, we are here. So as far as electronics go, um, you know, there's two different fuel sources now that are out there, whether it's be the sealed lead acid batteries, that have been around forever. They have one set of requirements um, for proper maintenance and and storage. And then the lithiums have a have a separate one. I'll cover both of those kind of separately. As far as the uh, standard sealed lead acid batteries go, you want to charge those to 100% capacity. Keep them in a uh, you know in an environment that isn't too hot, too too cold. You know, don't put them in your uh, enclosed trailer over the over the summer where the internal temperatures are going to get 120 degrees. I like to keep them in a cool, cool, dry place. Normally, I do that in the storage area of my basement. And then the other thing is you want to you you want to wear them down a little bit um, every month in the in the summer. Hook it up, um, run your unit a little bit, drop drop it down. 10, 20% and charge it up. The best thing you can do for those batteries is to use them, to keep them fresh. Uh, if if you go prolonged periods of time of non-use, that's what does more damage to the lifespan of those batteries than anything. So kind of summarize on the SLA types, top off, um, store them, but uh, use them, turn it on every once in a while and uh, let it wear down and if you do that once a month you'll get a battery those batteries can last three to five years with proper maintenance so that might be one of those on the, uh, if you're a if you're a guy that has a calendar on his wall maybe just put a few notes on the calendars throughout the summer because it seems like once we get going into summer i always have these things yeah i talked to you two weeks ago and then we really realized it was two months ago so that'd be a, a good thing to put on the calendar so everybody remembers it throughout the summer why don't you go ahead, John, tell us about that lithium batteries and, and Markham really has revolutionized that with the uh, lithium shuttle, but a lot of other guys going with those, those other aftermarket lithium batteries. What's the best way to handle those in the off season? Well, the nice part about lithium is it doesn't have a memory. Okay, so the way lithium batteries are in each cells differently, you, you have lithium ion, you have lipo four, those are different and Markham, like you said, has the lithium shuttle. You're going to want to consult the owner's manual for each of those, but you know, from a 30,000 foot view, basically, I think what you'll see is they all want you to charge them to about 70% capacity, not full capacity. And then you can just let them sit there for the, for the season. Now what's different about lithium is, 
they're kind of maintenance-free batteries, right? You don't have to you don't have to worry about them over the summer. Nothing's going to go down. The way they work is based off of a you know a set amount of uh, charge cycles, and that's from completely dead to completely charged. So, you know, in most cases, these batteries have specs that say they got two thousand complete charge cycles. And if a guy I fish 20 times a year, you know, <laughs> he might have just bought the last battery he'll ever need. And it's lighter, you know, and it recharges faster. So the, the lithium batteries have a tendency to cost a little bit more than the sealed lead acid batteries, but over the life of ownership, the cost goes down dramatically because, you know, you may have to replace a sealed lead acid battery three, three to four times, whereas that lithium battery will keep you chugging along all the way through. And it's probably shaving three to four pounds off of weight every time you're moving from hole to hole. So the um, care and maintenance for a, a sealed lead battery is much, much more uh, user dependent than say the lithium uh, batteries are. Yeah, you can definitely tell a difference when you're out there fishing all day and hopping from hole to hole. And it's one of those things I think when people pick it up in the store, they definitely can notice that there's a difference. But you really don't feel that difference until you're actually out on the ice and, and fishing with it. John, you also represent Elliott Rods and 2B Ice Rods. It's a fairly new brand. Tell us about Elliott and 2B Rods. Uh, these guys are fun, you know, and... They both, you know, both the owners, Paul and Greg Thorne, have a long lineage in trade crafting the uh, custom rod market. They started uh, Thorne Brothers uh, years ago. They both went off to do a couple other things in the industry. Greg, who is, you know, kind of the wizard behind the rod design, has worked with some of the biggest names in uh, both the fly, open water, and ice companies and you know they decided uh they're going to go out of this business kind of the way they came in working together it's uh it's been fun to see those two brilliant minds get together and they've they've launched a, a line of rods of uh elliot which is all uh handmade here using some proprietary technology that greg developed years ago called syncork which drastically reduces the weight and improves kind of the the fit and, and finish compared to cork. And anytime you can make that type of rod lighter, you're you're not just making it lighter, you're making it more sensitive because that that touch goes all the way up the rod and then through the through the handle blank. So if you haven't checked out Elliott Rod yet, you owe yourself to take a run over at their website to see all the things that they're doing differently. If you haven't fished with one or if you haven't felt one, I'd encourage you to do that in the store. They make open water rods. So there's a lot of rods sitting out there that you can take a peek at now. I'm pretty geeked up on those. I'm also pretty geeked up on what they're doing on the ice fishing side of the world. Cause you know, think of what we spend nowadays uh, on an open water rod. Just because it's um, shorter, you know, the the beauty of an ice fishing rod is it's only a hundred bucks. You know, you're not you're not make, you're not really breaking the bank to get into um, a high rod, high end technique specific 
Right. John, a lot of people, when they get done ice fishing the last time of the year, they're going to hook their jig up to the, uh, to the eye of the rod and tighten down that line, and then they never pick that rod up again until it's time to ice fish again. Uh, what's the best way to kind of get your rods ready for the offseason so that when you go to use them again in December, they're ready to rock and, and they're going to give you the performance that you're looking for. I can tell you what I do. And I do the same thing every year is I pull them out of the rod bags just to make sure that I can leave that rod bag open and there's no mold or anything growing into it. But I've got a couple of those um, catch cover rod racks that I mounted on the ceiling in my garage, just something to get those rods up and out of the way from from harm or damage, but yeah, I think you're 100% right. Cut the uh, cut the lures off so that there's no additional strain put on the backbone of that pod. No bend in it. Just let it lay flat, flat, and pretty much good to go for next year. Awesome, John. Thanks for coming on the show. Is there anything about kind of getting your gear ready to go for the off season, getting it ready to store that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, it, it, I'll say the thing nobody does, but uh, everybody wishes they did. You know, a lot of times, especially this year, where we got such a hard transition cut over from season to season, where you were on the ice one weekend and you could be in the boat the next, uh, you end up doing that hard swap and say, I'll, I'll take care of a lot of that stuff later. You know, but the more you can do to put the stuff away right, organized, easy to get at, and prepared the quicker you're going to get on the ice next year so i wish i was a person that can say i do that every time but on a year like this where you can literally say the boat's going in this weekend and you and you're in a scramble for us to get all that stuff ready you know the ice fishing stuff kind of gets pushed into the corner and dealt with later so i would i would just say the more you do and uh preparing it correctly to be put away the better position you're going to be in and going into know, knowing what holes in your arsenal you need to fill. We all lose some line. We all lose some componentry, swivels, and, and whatnot. What are you going to need to add to that assortment so that you're set to go next year? Thanks, John. That's some great information. Appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.